Girlfriends, episode number 138. Here's how you can save the church. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, I'm sharing some positive ways we can all take action and do good things in our church despite tragic times. Join me starting now. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. You know I'm always glad when we can connect in this way. I am sitting out in my tiki hut. I'm I'm counting down how many more recordings I'll be able to do out here before it's just too cold and miserable out. But enjoying still New Hampshire summer. It's actually really warm and we're going to have a really warm week despite the fact that the kids are back in school and we're doing back to school fall kinds of schedules. It's going to be a heat wave, apparently, um, for the coming week. So bracing for that. I've got my towels on the line. Still fully embracing the joys of the fleeting moments of New Hampshire summer. I just know all too soon we'll be buried in snow, ice cold temperatures. Yick. Anyway, um, we're getting into a routine around here, and I hope you are too. Change is hard, and this is a season of change for many people, saying goodbye. I've had my moments in the past couple of weeks, but more than that, I've had my moments feeling really down, feeling really upset about what's going on in our church. And I know you have too, because you've been telling me. You've been connecting on social media. You've been reaching out. You've been responding to my Instagram posts. You've been sending me messages on Facebook. Um, I know people are really struggling right now. And so that's why I decided to take on this topic. My daughter asked me recently, um, my oldest daughter, if I was going to be talking about all the garbage going on in the church and all the scandal and not just scandal, but cover up of scandal going all the way up to the top levels of the hierarchy. And at the time, I said, I don't know what to say. I really don't. I was just really struggling with it myself, as you maybe heard in last week's episode. But and, you know, these um, shows record, I record them about a week before they publish. So I can't really do anything super timely anyway. Um, So, uh, you know, at the time I was just, you know, I answered my daughter was saying, I don't know yet. I don't know what to say. Um, But in the last week, I've really been praying and I've been processing a lot, even as more garbage is coming out and probably more garbage will come out before you hear this podcast. But you know what? I'm okay. And you're okay. And the church is going to be okay. I've just been super focused on Jesus and his presence in the Eucharist. And what a gift that is to us. And that that, my friends, is unchanging. There's not going to be some scandal that reveals that Jesus is not the head of this church. So I have complete faith in that. My, my faith hasn't been shaken in any way, but I know some people are struggling with that and, and know that I am praying for you. I'm praying for all people who are struggling as a result of this, especially young people. Oh my gosh, this is an unintended, you know, um, well, maybe intended side effect um, of this evil in the church right now. The fact that people who are on the edges of their faith, and I know a lot of young people who are there, people of all ages who are there, people who are really struggling with their faith, This is going to just push them right out the door. And I mean, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell people in that position. That if you're already struggling and you see this going on, why would you stay? But I will tell you why you should stay. 
for Jesus. There's been a little phrase going around online saying, don't leave Jesus because of Judas. And I think that's really a succinct way of putting it, that yes, there's evil present in the world, and that includes our church, and that is devastating. I, I can't even tell you how personally devastated I feel by it. And so I know many people do feel personally affected by it, personally wounded by it. You know, I felt like kind of in a fragile state sometimes walking around like something terrible has happened to one of my children or to my marriage or, you know, it feels that deeply personal because our faith is personal and we are fully invested in it. So, so to find out that some of these terrible things have been going on and people that we trusted we shouldn't have trusted and that we've been lied to uh, is just absolutely personally devastating. So I understand that. And um, but besides that, it doesn't change the fact that we've been we're wounded by the sins of other people, by the evil present even inside of our church in really seriously discouraging, demotivating, upsetting, personally devastating ways. But despite that, Jesus is still Jesus and he is head of this church, this gigantic mess. He knows all about it. And, you know, end of the day or end of days <laughs> all will be right. All will be well. And we, we have that. We have that knowledge. We have that encouragement. It's important to keep it in mind. But really, just practically speaking, I wanted to talk a bit today about what can we do? Because you know what? In my conversations with my kids, and I mentioned last week, we had a really helpful conversation. I was so grateful for Dan for read leading a really helpful conversation with all of us together as a family. Rare moment. We were all in the same room together. Um, and now everybody's all over the place. So I, I'm grateful for that moment. But that where we talked about, and really this is what ends up coming, it coming down to is like people ask me, what can we do though? What can we do? What can I do? You know, um, I had uh, my daughters ask me that question. I had a, a young person that I work with ask me that question. Just really honestly, truly wanting to do what's right and yet feeling powerless. And I don't think any of us should feel powerless in the face of this evil because we have Jesus and we're not powerless. So I just wanted to share um, three different ideas for ways that we can take action. Because sometimes there's a lot of peace to be found just in taking action. You know, that feeling of powerlessness is terrible. You just feel like you're drifting in the wind there. And sometimes the leadership in our church is not helpful to those of us in those moments by not communicating with us. Um, but we, we can take action. There are things we can do. And in taking action, in whatever way we're able to inside of our little lives, inside of the places where God has put us, we can find peace. We can find peace in knowing we're doing good things to save the church. Yeah, that's dramatic language, but I decided to name this podcast How You Can Save the Church. Save the church. Yep, because it's a dramatic thing. It's a dramatic thing. These are dramatic times we're living in. It's a dramatic thing that we're being called to do. And you should feel empowered by that. You should. And, you know, God has put you in this place where you are right now for a reason. And it stinks and it hurts and we're discouraged and we're feeling abandoned. And yet God knows all about that. And he put you where you are inside of the church, whatever role you are currently playing inside of the church, whatever role you have the opportunity right now to play inside of the church. He did that for a reason. And he has a mission, a unique mission for you that only you can find out and only you can answer. 
but I want to I want to give you encouragement today to know that you can do that. We do have that power. We do have that ability. Okay, so the first thing I want to mention, and this was the first thing we came up with together as a family when we were talking about it, is we can support good priests. You know, something that comes to me time and again, as much as I've been upset about the the news and what's going on in the church, is I think of the good and holy priests we know, and we know many of them, and we know many of them personally, and I've had, you know, the um, privilege of meeting many through my work personally getting to know these men of God. And no, I'm not saying they're perfect. You know, I'm not saying that. Nothing nothing could be clearer than the recent news of letting us know that even priests are, are human beings and, and they sin. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. You know the priests that you have confidence in, the priests that you know are good and holy men that are trying to do God's work. As discouraged as we feel, imagine how discouraged they feel. Imagine that. If you don't know, then I, I would really encourage you to see, uh, take a look at Father Mike Schmitz's video where he addresses the, the scandal in the church um, because it's just so personally powerful. It's just him speaking about his own personal pain, his own devastated reaction to the news. And I think that's actually really healing stuff for the laity to see right now. In a lot of ways, um, he felt like, um, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes if you haven't seen it, because you must, you must watch this video. It's only about five minutes long, but it's so powerful. And it's, it's such an important message from a priest to the laity right now. Like really just laying it out there, just raw emotion, letting us know that he's suffering He's suffering with us. And I think that's a powerful thing because so much about the news has kind of set it up like, oh, it's, it's us versus them, you know, the priests and, and the hierarchy in the church, and then we're the lay people, and what on earth can we even do, you know? Um, but it's not like that at all. It's us versus them, the, the people um, with good intentions versus the people with bad intentions. And it's a matter of sorting that out and finding out which priests you know and love that you can be supportive of. Because imagine the pain that they're going through. Our pastor, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, shared with us in the same way, um, very similar to what Father Mike did in his video, just, just telling us how he's feeling and how hurt he is and how ashamed and embarrassed and disappointed he is in what he called, you know, his brotherhood of priests and how he apologizes on behalf of them, even though he didn't personally do anything wrong. He apologizes on behalf of this group of flawed human beings that he's a member of, that he identifies with. And imagine how devastating that feels. So we need to be supporting the good priests we know. And of course, that means through prayer. They need our prayers now more than ever. If you're going to be praying and fasting and sacrificing, as I'm seeing calls to do on social media, maybe do it for one particular priest each day. Maybe, you know, be very specific in your intentions and let them know that you're praying for them. Reach out to them. Let them know that you support them and that you love them and you want to help them do good things. They need to hear that right now. Imagine, I mean, right now, I don't want to tell anybody that I'm Catholic. And that's a terrible feeling, of course. Um, I, I don't want to have that conversation with a stranger or even with somebody who's an acquaintance of mine. I don't want to. 
I don't want to be defending why I'm staying in this church right now. And of course, I could do that. I've called upon to do it. Um, But imagine being a priest walking around with a collar, which is an open invitation to have that conversation at all times. You know, even if you're just trying to have a meal in a restaurant or walk through an airport, right? And, you know, some priests I know personally have shared the fact that they, they are wearing their collar despite the fact that they're tempted not to. It's a brave thing. It's a courageous thing that they're doing and that they are witnessing people giving them dirty looks, pulling their children away from them, even saying things to them, calling them names, whispering things around them. Imagine how that feels. We're not at least walking around with a big, you know, tattoo of Catholic on our forehead. Well, that's what they're doing. And we need to be supporting them in that. Let them know that you're praying for them and that you support them. Be that one positive word of encouragement they might hear all day. And it's okay if you don't know priests personally, like, you know, inviting them over to dinner. If you do, do that. Make sure you're being socially supportive as well as all the other things. But if you don't, well, then maybe work on building that relationship with your pastor or with a priest that you know. But in the meantime, that doesn't mean you can't send an email to your pastor. I'm sure his email address is right there in the bulletin. Find out how you can contact your pastor or another good priest that you know and let him know that you're supporting him, that you're praying for him, that, you know, that you have faith that he's one of the good guys and thank him for the sacrifice that he's making. Because as much as we need to rebuild and heal inside of our church, these guys are are an essential part of that. The laity, of course, are an essential part of the future of our church, but without good and holy priests, what do we have? So let's let's be sure that we're encouraging the good priests that we know through prayer support, through physical support, bring them food, you know, or bring them out to dinner or, you know, find a way to give them a break in some way. Find a way to allow them to rest in some way. And, and just, you know, I think sometimes the most encouraging thing you can do is speak a positive word. Speak a word of encouragement. Thank them for their, their homily. You don't have to get all dramatic and cry to them after Mass about how you're praying and sacrificing for them. But, you know, say something positive to them. Say something positive about the way in which their work has benefited you and your family, whether it's through providing religious education programs or through providing retreat opportunities or supporting your parish women's group or whatever it is. Let them know that you appreciate them and that you're supporting them because we need to be building these men of God up, not as superheroes that we're placing on pedestals because I always get that pushback from people when I talk about supporting priests because, of course, people see that as part of the problem in the past in the church. But no, but as human beings who need your love and support and encouragement, as, as our, our fellow human beings on this path hopefully toward heaven, toward sainthood in this struggle, who carrying their own crosses, but let them know that you're praying for them and encouraging them and supporting them as they're doing that. It's really a deeply powerful thing that we can do. And, you know, in all of this devastating and discouraging church news that's been coming out in recent weeks, I mean, I just, I'm so very conscious of a presence of evil inside of our church. And this is a way that we can combat that. You know, as much as Satan rejoices over the evil doings of some of the church's priests, so much more so will he be devastated 
if we're able to strengthen and encourage and support good and holy men who are doing good work in Christ's church. So let's do that. As a laity, that's our job. And we can do that. We can do that in small ways. You know, that whole saying, like, think globally, act locally. Well, that's what we're meant to do. And that's really what my, my points are about today. Think globally and act locally inside of your church. What can you do? Who do you know that you can support that's doing good things in the church? Okay, so that's the first one, supporting good priests. The second one I want to talk about is renewing your family prayer life. I think this is like a wake-up call. I mean, it sure has felt that way to me. And, um, you know, for sure, I'm a person who has always valued family prayer and personal prayer and recognize the importance and the power of that, but never more so than now. And um, what it's really pushing me toward is the rosary in particular. And I've seen other people sharing on social media about renewing their family prayer life, particularly with a dedication to the rosary or with a personal dedication to praying the daily rosary. That is something that every one of us can do in some capacity. And I mean, the rosary is especially appropriate because the devil hates Mary, right? Mary is mother of the church and she is so powerful. He hates her and he's afraid of her. It's such a powerful thing we can do to call upon Mary and her strength and her, her power inside of the church to defeat Satan, because that's what's going on here. This is a battle between good and evil inside of our church, and we need to be prepared for that. And one way that we can prepare for that is through our prayers and our devotion to Mother Mary, and especially through the powerful prayer of the rosary. I mean, it could not be made more clear to us through, you know, everything that Mary has said to us through various apparitions, everything the saints have told us about the power of the rosary. It's absolutely powerful. And this is an opportunity for us. And I mean, you can just begin to pray it together as a family or personally um, every day with the intention of renewing and rebuilding our church or strengthening our church, but you don't even have to be like that about it. Just the fact that you as a member of the church are devoted to the rosary in some way, devoted to family, daily family prayer, is a huge, very powerful thing that you can do. So you might renew your, your devotion to Mary in particular through the rosary, but then there are other saints too. If you're, if you're interested in the rosary, then um, one saint in particular that I have to tell you about is Venerable Patrick Payton, who is the founder of Holy Cross Family Ministries, owner of now CatholicMom.com, which happens to be my employer. Um, but the recently named Venerable Father Patrick Payton, he was known as the rosary priest. He's the priest who said the family that prays together stays together. No greater priest for and saint, future saint, he's venerable, um, for us to lean on, for us to pray to right now, than this saint who is so dedicated to family prayer, than venerable Father Patrick Payton, and so dedicated to the rosary, so devoted to Mary, such a love for Mary. And let's pray to him. Let's pray to him to renew our family's prayer lives. Let's pray to Venerable Father Patrick Payton to renew our dedication and devotion to the rosary. And let's pray for him for healing and rebuilding and strengthening in our church, for a cleaning out of the evil and a strengthening of what's good inside of our church. But there are other saints, too. I've been seeing some people sharing about St. Catherine of Siena and St. Dominic, two saints who... Um, 
did significant things to reform the church in their lifetimes. You know, even challenging popes and, um, you know, doing doing the unthinkable sometimes. And that's what we're called to do. So pray to them for strength to know in what ways God is calling you to rebuild his church. It might not be as dramatic as St. Catherine of Siena, but we all want to know what part, what role we're meant to play. And we all do have a role to play. We all do have a mission to live out. And God is calling you in a unique way. You and your family, your marriage has a mission, a unique mission inside of the church. And like I said at the beginning, you're not here by mistake. You're not here in this moment in time by mistake. God has his plan and it includes you for his rebuilding of the church. So renew your family prayer life. Now, how do you do that? I mean, I think, first of all, talk about it together as a family. Talk about the importance of it. Talk about the importance of it in the context of what's going on in our church today and that this is a concrete thing that you can do, a positive thing that you can do together so that you can be committed together to renewing your family prayer life with that intention in mind. Talk about it with your husband. Talk about it with your kids and then commit to it together. I think it's such a powerful thing to do, um, especially in those moments where we have felt discouraged and devastated or upset about what's going on, um, whether it's just Dan and I together as a couple or all of us as a family. When in those moments when we go to prayer, it's such a deeply powerful thing to do. It's a wonderful reminder of who's really in charge, first of all. A wonderful reminder to trust in God and his goodness and his plan for each of us, even as we are disappointed and discouraged and devastated about what might be going on around us, whether it's on a personal level or it's on a, a more global level inside the, you know, the hierarchy of the Catholic Church, that prayer is a, a way that really um, heals us and reminds us of God's loving care for each of us and then also empowers us. We can accomplish great things through prayer. You know, sometimes we just were tempted to say like, well, we can only pray. You know, I hate it when people say that. And I say it sometimes too. I, I'm not judging people who say that. Um, we can only pray. Well, all we can do is pray. You know, like it's a last resort, useless thing to do. Well, it's not. It's the most powerful thing we can do is pray. Pray for our church's healing. Pray for our church's cleansing. However painful that process might be, however devastating it might be to, to watch what's happening in the news, however scary it might feel. You know, the other night um, there was some more news coming out and I was just reading it and, you know, Dan had sent me an article to look at. And as I was reading through it, I just started to cry. And it's because it felt so, it felt scary to me to see structures that I count on and that I trusted fall apart um, in very human ways because of human weakness and, and evil and sin. To see that just was devastating to me. And so to we need to recognize that. But then in those moments, recognize that that's a call to prayer. That's a call to action. That's There's something we can do. We're not powerless in the face of that. And God is in charge. So prayer is a wonderful way to build that relationship with our Lord together individually as couples inside of your marriage and with your children together as a family, leaning on God's saints and 
just coming together with that intention of doing the good that you can inside of God's church. You are a domestic church, and this is what you can do right here inside of your own home and family. Okay, the third way I want to talk about that each of us can save the church, and um, this is related to the first two, but it's think it's take action. Take action in some way. Know that you can. Sometimes I think we feel powerless and paralyzed for no reason. Know that you can do good things inside of your church community. Look at your parish community and what can you do there? Look at that. Look at where God has placed you. What community are you in? What can you do there for the good? What can you do? First of all, you know, with all of these um, sexual abuse scandals, what can you do proactively to make sure children are safe in your parish community and all of your parish events and activities? I think in large part, many of us since 2002 have seen many changes inside of our parishes in the ways in which um, we screen people, the ways in which we handle events where children are present, the ways in which we, we put up safeguards to make sure that there aren't predators taking advantage of our church communities. So I think we've gone a long way. And um, that's, very, that's very helpful. But, but know that the, the ways in which those things are carried out in your parish, you're a part of that. And if there's something about, you know, something going on in your parish that feels wrong to you, you're a part of that, and you you can take action to make it better by speaking about it, by asking questions about it, making sure that people ask questions, I think is such a powerful thing because it's been a part of the problem in the past that the laity hasn't felt like there's an atmosphere of openness, especially as you go up in the hierarchy of the church. Like, you can't ask questions, right? It's more of an air of secrecy. And that we need to just place our trust in the hierarchy. Well, no, we don't need to do that. Obviously, that's a very bad idea, right? Um, and you don't have to be a jerk about this. But you can, even inside of your own parish, demand that you build an atmosphere where people feel comfortable asking questions. That your parish community is a place where there's an atmosphere of openness, not of secrecy. And that lay people know that this is their church, and they have a right to know what's going on in it. Ask questions, demand accountability, demand transparency. Don't let rumors go around that people just don't, you know, investigate. And, you know, this does, I'm not necessarily just talking about, um, you know, with regard to sexual abuse of children. Of course, it includes that. But in other things, you know, part of what's been going on in um, these church scandals is a lot has been coming out about um, different ways in which priests and bishops conducted themselves and the kind of behaviors that's been tolerated or people just look the other way. And this idea of everybody knew, but nobody challenged anybody about it. Well, no more of that. No, no. Look, look where that gets us. Right. Where, where sin is, is allowed to fester. So. If there are things going on in your in your parish community, um, you have a right to ask about them. You have a right to demand answers about them. You have a right to demand answers from your bishop about the ways in which these kinds of matters are handled. You have a right to ask those questions. And for sure, if you feel like something is off, you have a right to ask about it. You have a right to expose it. Inside of all of this, I heard somebody say at one point that um, bright light is a natural sanitizer. And that's what our church needs right now. Every corner open to bright light. 
lay it all out there in its gross, festering, evil, ugliness, what's been going on, and let it be healed. You know, through that truth, through that openness, through that honesty is where we're going to find healing. Because that atmosphere of secrecy is what has allowed this to go on and what has allowed it to become the global, gigantic problem that it is today. And I don't know how we're going to fix it all. But we can, each individually and as lay people inside of our church communities, demand that this not go on anymore, at least at the level to which we're aware of it. You know, you may not be checking in at the Vatican in Rome every day and you can demand transparency there, but you're a part of your parish community. And if there are things there that make you uncomfortable, then you have a right to challenge them. And if, this is the other side, if you don't feel uncomfortable about any of that, if you do feel like there's an atmosphere of openness and that you are comfortable asking questions and that your your parish priest is open about, you know, what's going on and um, what, what kind of, you know structures are in place and how children are protected. And I think many of us are in that place. Then give thanks to God for that. And then just work proactively to make sure that those, those kinds of measures stay in place and that nothing is allowed to slip through the cracks. That's our role. That's our job. That's how we build our parish communities is in that way. So important to recognize the power that you have, because I think in large part, and I experienced this as a child growing up in the eighties, in the church in the 80s and, you know, um, then as a young married couple in, in the 90s and early 2000s, um, before all of this, uh, I experienced that level of expecting and I always felt like it was out of respect for, you know, the priesthood and the hierarchy of the church. Like, and, and you know, this was never explicitly told to me that there had to be secrecy of some kind, but just that level of separateness and out of respect, I, I wouldn't have dared make any demands or challenge um, a priest about anything. And yet that's what we're called to do. And, you know, the, the scandals of the early 2000s really opened my eyes personally to that. And I think many people, and so many parish communities are today built on that kind of transparency, but they may not be where you are. And it's your role, it's your job, wherever God has put you to demand that, demand accountability. You know, and it might not be something about like sexual abuse of children. It might be about finances. It might be about how your priest spends his time or his personal connections. There might be something off and you might need to ask questions that make you uncomfortable, but it is your role to ask those questions. It is your role to demand accountability. It is our role as lay people to demand that accountability of the hierarchy. And I know it's uncomfortable and, um, I just, want to, I just want to encourage you to know that, that that is what we're called to do. That's our job. And it's not something we're not allowed to do and we, we shouldn't question out of respect. Of course, we're going to be respectful, right? But that doesn't mean that we, we put up with, you know, any kind of secrecy or something or look the other way. Um, and, you know, I, as much as we are disappointed and hurt and feel betrayed by learning that many of our church leaders look the other way. Well, we need to look to ourselves too and make sure that we we also are held to that same standard and where there's nothing inside of our communities where we're looking the other way. Make sure that you know that that's your role. Okay, so those are those are my three things. That's what I want to encourage you with today. How you can save the church. First, support good priests that you know and love. You know them find ways to support them, then renew your family prayer life 
And then third, take action. Ask questions. Make uncomfortable demands if that's what God is calling you to do. So those are my ideas, but maybe you have some. I would love to hear from you because I think in these times especially, it's really helpful for us to be connecting with one another. It's really helpful for us to encourage one another. And that's something that's really powerfully done, I find, through social media. So connect with me on social media. Um, One of the ways that you can connect with me is by email. You can always email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can always leave um, a note or a comment in the show notes, which are always published at ascensionpress.com for the Girlfriends podcast. But also connecting with me on social media. You know, I love it. If we can connect on Facebook, And I've got to give a shout out to our Facebook group, which is ongoing. I keep adding members every day. I'm so encouraged. Um, For those of you who don't know, I started a closed group just for listeners of the Girlfriends podcast where we can connect and get to know each other there and, and talk about things, even things like this. What's going on in your church, in your community? What are you doing to save the church? So um, you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash Girlfriends podcast. I have a nice new URL. Thank you to Hannah who emailed me with directions. <laughs> I shared last week when I when I said that I had a link for the group to join the group. Um, I shared that I didn't know how to make it a customized URL, but Hannah very nicely wrote in me an email and kind of walked me through the process. So now we have our own customized URL that I can tell you here rather than a bunch of numbers and letters. So it's facebook.com slash groups slash girlfriends podcast. And you'll find us there. I'll also put the link in the show notes and I'll keep sharing the link on social media. A lot of you are finding us that way. We want you to be a part of it. We want you to be a part of our community online. We want you to benefit from getting to know other people who are listening to the Girlfriends podcast because I love that we're a community here, that among our listeners, we pray for each other, we encourage each other, and we communicate with each other. But it's a little bit limited in um, the podcast where it's just me talking to you guys and and sharing some of the things that you've written to me. But um, through this Facebook group, I'm hopeful that you all can get access to each other a little bit more. And we're not all the same. We're from all different walks of life and different you know, places in our faith lives and different places in our family lives and um, what's going on with our marriages and whatnot. But we at least have this in common. If you're listening to the Girlfriends podcast, you are a girlfriend. You are my girlfriend. You get it. You know what I mean? So I think that's a great place to start a friendship and a mutually encouraging relationship, even if it's just online. So join us over at Facebook. We would love to have you join our community there so that we can connect in new ways and stay in contact. And um, and it'll give you the opportunity, I'm hopeful, to ask questions, have a community that you can go to of people who share some basic things in common with you, that if you have something you're struggling with, some, a question you have or something that's going on in your life, that you'll have a group, if for nothing else, to just turn to and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. I could use some prayer today. That's community. And that's really what I think we have the potential to build here through the Girlfriends podcast because you guys are awesome. And I just want you to have access to each other. So go to facebook.com slash groups slash Girlfriends podcast. We'd love to have you join us there. I just want to take a moment to thank Ascension for partnering with me to bring you this podcast at ascensionpress.com. You can find all kinds of resources, resources that support you in your Catholic faith, learning more about it, learning to love it, but then also for the spiritual growth inside of your marriage. And then here's what I know you care about because you write to me about it all the time, ways to support your children growing in their Catholic 
faith, learning more about their Catholic faith. How do I keep my kids Catholic? Well, there's no guarantees, but you can find a lot of tools that will help you in that process at ascensionpress.com. Go over there and check it out. Girlfriends is hosted there, and there's lots of other good stuff too. So that's our home, and you're going to love it. Check out all that's available for you and for your family at ascensionpress.com. I also wanted to mention that I am still booking speaking events and retreats for the fall and beyond. So if you are interested in having your parish host my You're Worth It retreat for women, you can find out more about that at daniellebean.com forward slash retreat. You can fill out a little form there and we can get in touch, talk about your parish's needs and your community and what's going on and how I can help to serve the women in your parish, in your community. We've had women's groups do it. We've had it officially hosted through parishes, through dioceses, but also just sometimes an individual says, you know what? I really want to bring this message of Jesus's unique love for women to my girlfriends, my community, and we work it out. Um, I just, I've been so encouraged in the past by ways in which the Holy Spirit really works to make this retreat happen where he wants it to happen. So perhaps you're feeling that inkling in your heart that you want to do something to support and encourage the women of your community. And the You're Worth It retreat is really a wonderful way to do that. I am so honored and privileged every time I get the opportunity to share this message with women. So find out more about that retreat at daniellebean.com forward slash retreat. But also, I am also available for speaking opportunities in the fall and beyond. I'm booking some now um, for just coming out to your parish or your community. Or if you are already running a conference or if you know of one that happens in your area, you can find out more about speaking opportunities with me coming to your community at daniellebean.com forward slash speaking. I would love to come out and meet you guys. Okay, before we have to go, I just want to share with you a message that I recently received from listener Julie. It's a very long message about um, she's kind of discerning whether or not to homeschool, how to how to educate her kids. She's really in that place where she's trying to figure out what her family is called to do. Um, I won't read you the whole thing, but at the end she asks, I wonder if you have any wisdom to share about right reasons to homeschool. Did you ever feel that some of your children would do better in school? Did you homeschool all children all throughout elementary or find times when school was the better option? I know your answers are not my answers, but I have been increasingly curious about your thoughts on the subject whenever you bring it up. So Thank you, Julie. I appreciate your question. And you're right. My answers are not your answers. So I know your head's in the right place going into this question. Um, So yeah, I'm happy to share a little bit about our family's journey through homeschooling. And um, so just the history first, our kids have all experienced some level of homeschooling. Um, It's all through grade school, for sure, and through middle school. And then when our kids reach high school, It's different for every kid, Um, but we're blessed here in New Hampshire that the laws allow for us to kind of take high school courses a la carte and actually get credit for them. So we can always just do a process where we're easing a student into taking classes at the local high school. And many of them just start with one semester, taking one class at the high school, doing the rest with us at home, and um, kind of feeling it out that way, getting used to learning inside of a classroom, all the social aspects of going to high school, navigating that. Um, and then eventually every every one of our kids, except for the first, <laughs> has transitioned to being in high school full-time um, before they graduate. So that's been our process and it's worked pretty well for us. We've 
had some mess ups. We've had some pitfalls. There is no perfect answer. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, and this is part of why I think sometimes parents really struggle with making these schooling decisions for their kids is because there is no perfect answer and we're looking for it. And until we find it, we feel like we haven't picked the right thing. But um, I think, you know, just prayerfully discerning together as a family, um, you and your husband together, um, being openly communicating about it, I think is is really important because there are downsides to homeschooling for sure. But um, personally, what I want to share with you just in a very general way, I'm not going to get into curriculum and this and that and the other thing is that um, my husband, Dan, and I went into homeschooling, you know, back at the beginning, we homeschooled from the start, um, very much for academic reasons and social reasons. Like we wanted to protect our kids from some bad things going on. Um, my husband was in public education. He had his eyes wide open about the public education system, even in, you know, quote unquote, good schools here inside of New Hampshire, um, and just very much knew their limitations and wanted to do better for our kids. Well, um, for years, I called myself a reluctant homeschooler because the lion's share of the burden fell on me when all of our kids were little, and I didn't feel like it was something I was naturally good at. I really struggled. I really struggled. And, um, you know, Dan being in education was a huge help and a huge support to me. But at the same time, it was hard. It was really hard. It was a huge commitment. And it was something that I would commit to one year at a time. I could only think about one year at a time, you know. Um, Dan, of course, had a much broader vision and was thinking, yep, we're doing this. <laughs> But I just needed that kind of um, mental help of thinking, this is, I'm, I'm committing for this year. I can do this for this year. And it was very hard for me at some times. And I feel like I failed at some things. And I really struggled through some times. And, um, you know, that's just, I'm I'm being honest. It was really hard. And, and there were times when I did want to throw it all away. And there were times in the day where I thought, the minute Dan gets home from work, I'm going to tell him I'm quitting. And I'm not doing this ever again. Not doing this anymore. I can't. And yet by the time he came home, somehow it all had resolved. And I didn't feel the need to have that conversation anymore. You know, but that's life. That's life. That's life inside of any vocation because it's a struggle. And um, so just recognize that. Know that it's it, it's a hard thing. Um, and whatever you choose to do, it's not going to be perfect. But I do want to share this one thought with you that now that some of my kids are done with school, um, they've gone on to college, and I sort of have a larger perspective on it, I think choosing to homeschool, especially in the early years for us, was one of the best decisions we made for our kids and for our family. And it has nothing to do with academics. In fact, it has very little to do with social things that we might have been afraid of going into it. It has everything to do with our family life and the fact that we had the freedom to structure our family life the way that we wanted to, which meant around Christ and putting our family first and everything to do with our family relationships. I feel like I have a closeness with my kids and they have a closeness with each other that would not be impossible if they were all going to school, but would be much more difficult to achieve. And I feel like that happened in a way that felt very natural and organic because of the way we were able to structure our everyday family life. Um, but that's us. And that's what's worked for us. And um, looking back on it, that's the good feeling I have about it. I can look back and say, oh, my gosh, I totally failed, you know, teaching my kid fractions or whatever, you know, the details were. But globally speaking, looking back, I can look at it and say, you know what, that was a good choice. That was a good decision. And we are continuing. We still have two that are, are being homeschooled um, for this academic year, our two youngest boys. And, um, you know, right now our family life has shifted. 
and it's changed and it's not all me. And it's actually mostly Dan who's handling that because of the ways in which our work schedules have shifted and what, what, what God has allowed to happen inside of our family life. So, um, homeschooling does give you that flexibility. So I want to give you that encouragement, Julie, um, whatever decision you make, as you already know, is, is going to be unique to you. So the best decision to make is unique to you, but that's what I can share about our decision to homeschool in our history with homeschooling. So if other people have thoughts to share, you can send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your perspectives, your journey through all the different kinds of schooling, because I know many people have had that. Um, but but for sure, just just know, Julie, that um, if you're if you're prayerfully discerning, um, it then you know you're going to make the right choice. And and then here's an aside: whenever you're making an important decision, and I find this is really helpful, and I need to remind myself all the time that know that you can undo it. There are very few decisions you make that are just irreversible. So know that, like, if you decide I'm going to homeschool Johnny this year, that if it doesn't work out, you can do something different the following year. You can do something different in December. You know, these things, sometimes we put all this pressure on ourselves because we think if I decide to homeschool, that's it. And, you know, this child's going to be homeschooled for the next 12 years. And it's that kind of commitment. Well, it's not. And today, more than ever, schooling choices are flexible and there are lots of different opportunities and options out there. So know that. Take that pressure off of yourself as you're kind of struggling through this and discerning it together as a family. Okay, that's it. Some of my family members are up and at them, so I'm going to go see about getting our day started and breakfast and whatnot in the house. But I hope that this show has been helpful to you, and I hope you'll reach out to me with your feedback on this important topic. I'm so grateful for our community here. I'm so grateful that I can come and just be myself and share the things that I'm truly struggling with uh, and know that you are a community of supportive listeners and that together we are a community and that we're in this together and many of us are struggling in the same ways especially with regard to this crisis in our church just just knowing that you're there and that we are here to support and encourage each other is so very helpful to me in truly concrete ways that like I can't even express it to you guys so thank you for being here thank you for being a part of this community your presence here is so meaningful to me and so encouraging especially in these times when we're all really struggling and there's a lot of sadness and discouragement to go around so thank you for that and until next time I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 